Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Welcome to the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Podcasts. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Also, our service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. indoors in English and 11.45 indoors in Spanish. We're going to dive in today to our final uh, week of our series. And uh, reflecting on the year that we've had in 2020, uh, this is a, has been a good series to lead us into this week of Thanksgiving, to lead us into this Advent season as we've been pausing for a moment. Not just to get through, I know, I know, I'm ready. I'm ready to get through 2020. I'm ready, give me some 2021 because it can't be like that, right? right? I get that, but, but I think the Lord is calling us to hit pause for a minute and reflect and understand what is he, what is he trying to teach us in this moment? What is, he, what is he trying to do within our hearts, within our church, within our community? And this year, I think it's okay to admit, this year has taken a lot, hasn't it? It's taken a lot from us. It's been filled with loss. And all of us feel that loss in different ways. Grief and hurt and pain. Every family who has lost someone near to them. Every person who's felt alone and isolated. Every, every family impacted by financial uncertainty. There are so many different ways that this past year has, has impacted us individually, corporately. But this year has given us a few things, hasn't it? It's, it's a little bit harder to see that, right? If we step back, and I've, I've been processing... Over these last, oh, eight, nine months even, some of the gifts of this season. It's harder to see it sometimes. You have to work a little bit harder, but, but I see it there. I think about countless hours of extra puzzles and board games with my kids because we were, we were stuck at home and had nothing else to do, right? But in the midst of that, there was a gift there, wasn't there? Rewatching all of the Star Wars movies with my kids. Uh, like, like, there was a gift there, you know? That seems like a long time ago, but, but that, there were some gifts in there. Specifically, though, a little bit lighthearted this morning, I want to share with you one gift that this season has given me, and it's a little unique, and it's a little vulnerable, right? Like, I'm being, I'm being about as vulnerable as I can be in sharing this with you. So I can feel your judgment already, but just hold it and act. Just smile at me, right? I get it. So pretty early on in March, uh, my kids, we were outside a lot because what else are you going to do, right? So we were going on hikes, and we were playing outside, and, and just because what else were you going to do? In these really long days, uh, school wasn't happening, and we just had to be stuck at home, and so we would just go outside as much as possible. And, and so in that time, uh, I got the urge to learn to do something that I had never learned to do. Most, well, all grown men, I think, have learned to do this at some point, and, but I never had, I never learned to ride a bike. There it is. I can feel your glances. I can feel your judgment. I can see you whispering to others like, how can we attend a church like this, right? right? I know you have questions and I have answers, but it would take a long time to discuss. So we're not going to get into why the fact that I could be 30-something years old and not know to ride a bike. But the, the, all I want you to know today is at some point early in March, spending hours outside with my kids, I just got this urge to say, man, I want to learn to ride a bike. And so, in a minute, I'm going to show you a 20-second video of the first time I was able to ride a bike. It's right out here in the parking lot because no one was out here, nothing else was happening, and it's my 13-year-old's purple bike, right? So it's my teenage daughter's bike, so I don't look that cool riding it, right? But just, this is it, 20 seconds on a really terrible iPhone. I've got it here on the screen. This is me learning to ride a bike for the first time. Here you go. Keep going. She's cheering me on, right? Yeah. 
That's my dog, not just some random canine. And that, this is it, I promise you. This is like not a big, I actually thought I was gonna fall, so I got off the bike. 22 seconds of me riding a bike, thank you. I know. I, I feel your pity and sympathy as you cheer for me. You're like, I thought this was gonna be some dynamic. It's like me going like this, but I didn't crash and I didn't die. And there I was. What a gift, right? That I can now say because of 2020, I know how to ride a bike. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll get like a grown-up one that's not purple and uh, I fit on really well, right? But I want you to think for a minute with me. <laughs> I want you to think, if you can try to put that in the back of your brain now and just, we'll talk later about why I didn't know to ride a bike, okay? I want you to think about, though, the gifts this season has given us. And I, I know it's hard because this season has taken a lot. I know it's hard because there's a lot of grief, there's a lot of hurt. There's a, what we've called this series the anatomy of a storm, and we've acknowledged we're in a storm, and I get that. And so even trying to think of good things, even trying to think of the gift in the midst of the storm is so hard. But I want you to think for a minute. In fact, today we're going to focus on what I believe is the best gift. I know Advent's coming. We're going to talk a lot about gifts. But today I want to talk about the best gift that I believe this season has brought to us. And no, it's not me riding a bike. And it's not hours of Star Wars stuck inside doing puzzles. That's not the greatest gift. I believe the greatest gift we have received this year in 2020 is the gift of hope. The gift of hope. I know as I say that, that sounds counterintuitive because you're saying, wait, Adrian, this is not a year of hope, right? This is a year of chaos and disruption and grief and loss and questioning. And yeah, I get that. But I would say to you, one of the greatest gifts in the midst of all of the storm is a gift of hope. And we're going to dive deep into Romans 5 today. If you have your copy of scripture, I would love for you to open it today because we are really going to take our time going through five really, really deep, theologically sound, rich texts for us that I think no matter where you are today, no matter where you are in your faith journey, maybe you're a skeptic and you, you showed up today or you're watching online, thanks for doing that. But I think the truth that we're going to read in these five verses, I, I think they matter to us. I think they have a lot to say to us. And we're going to read words written by a guy uh, named Paul. If you were in a life group this semester, you are familiar with Romans because you've been diving deep week after week after week. But we're going to jump into Romans 5 today. And we're going to understand uh, the previous parts of this letter because this, that's what this is. This is a letter written to a church. And the previous parts of this letter are talking about the faithfulness of God and God's work in bringing us salvation. So Paul He's kind of piggybacking on those ideas. And in, in Romans 5, he's going to jump in and talk a little bit more about who our God is. And so we're literally going to go through this just piece by piece by piece. I want us to all be on the same page on what's happening here. But we're going to talk about the greatest gift I think this season has given us. And that's the gift of hope. So would you read with me, uh, starting in verse 1 of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, so Paul's attaching this to the things that he's already shared about the faithfulness of God and the gift of salvation through Christ. He says this though, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, and I'm, again, I'm going to pause here. You might be irritated with me, but I just want to understand because this is really rich theologically. I want to understand what it is that's happening here, what it is that Paul is saying to us, that we're justified, right? That's like a big churchy word. And right there in the root of justified is that we're just. And to just means uh, right, right? It means good and right. It is just. And, and so what Paul is saying is, is we have been made right through faith. We have been made right 
through faith. That is how we have been made right. We are not made right because of our actions and our good deeds and what we've accomplished and what we can do. That is not how we've been justified. We have been justified through faith. And because of sin and because of our brokenness, we were separated from God. We were, we were not just. We were not right in his eyes. We were unrighteous, right? But because of faith in Christ, we can be justified. So we can be justified. It, we, we can't be good enough. We can't be moral enough. We can't help enough people or memorize enough Bible verses to be justified on our own. We are justified through faith. At no point can we ever say, there it is. I've earned it. I've arrived. I deserve it. No, no. Paul is saying we have been justified through faith. Then he goes on in verse 1 to say this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We shouldn't have peace, right? Because the Bible says we are sinners. And as sinners, we deserve, we deserve destruction. We deserve pain. We deserve sin, living for self. We deserve the fruit of that sin. And that's chaos and destruction and emptiness. And that's what we deserve. And so because of that, there's this gap. There's this divide between us and God. But through faith, we can be justified and we can actually have peace with God. You know, I think this is true. Many of us, we don't have peace in our relationships with others because we don't have peace with God first. We don't have peace with God first. There's this wrestling. There's this, this hungering for what is this life about or this feeling like I have to prove myself to God. I have to kind of earn his love. I have to be good enough. And because of that, we lack peace with God. And when we lack peace with God, we lack peace in the relationships and the circumstances around us. But the truth of Romans 5 says, because we have been justified, not by our works and not by our efforts, but through faith, we can be at peace with God because of Jesus. It's because of him, not because of what we've done, but, but because of him. We can have peace with God. God. What does it say now in verse 2? Let's continue reading. So again, what does it say? Verse 1, we, we've been justified through faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom? Through whom? Through Jesus. We have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We have access now to something that we should not have access to. This should not be available to us. And in fact, on our own, if we were trying to be justified on our own, we would not have access to this. We would not be able to have this on our own. But because of Jesus, yes, we can have peace with God and we can have access to something we should not have access to. And what is it that we have access to? We have access to grace. Grace. What is grace? It is the favor of God. God's favor. Rest in that for a minute. Pause for a minute and just understand that the favor of God, God's favor on your life. We have access to that. Not because of us, not because of what we can do, not because we worked hard enough and we lived a good, no, no, no. Because of Jesus, now we can have peace with God and we can, we can have access to the favor of God. And Romans 5 says that that grace, God's favor is our new foundation. That's what we build our life on. That's what is our firm foundation, even in the midst of the storm. We cannot build a foundation on our good works. 
We cannot build a foundation on what we accomplish. We cannot have all of the false props in our lives propping ourselves up. And in the end, all of those will fail us, right? That our foundation, Romans 5 says, is this grace, the favor of God in which we stand because of Jesus. Come on, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. What does it say? This grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Everything Paul's been saying so far is to get us to this moment. I said we're talking about hope today. And Paul is building this, not an argument, but it's just this theological understanding of of who we are and what Christ has done for us. And now living and access to the favor of God, that that's our foundation. And because of that, because of that, we can boast in the hope of the glory of God. Notice what Paul does not say here. You know what he does not say? He does not say we boast in the hope of our accomplishments. You know what he does not say? We boast in the hope of our health and our finances. That's not what he's saying. We boast in the hope of our economy. That's not what he's saying. What does he say? He says we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in the reality that God will get glory from whatever happens, whatever's happening right now in my life. On the other side of it, there may be a lot of things I don't know, but one thing I do know on the other side of this is God can get glory if I will allow him. And because of that, I have hope. I can't have hope in a lot of things right now. There's a lot of things that have failed me. There's a lot of things in 2020 that have let me down. There's a lot of things that I'm questioning in these days. But you know what I don't have to question? I don't have to question that God can get glory through my circumstances. On the other side of this, whatever this is in your life, on the other side of it, God can get glory. And that's what we put our hope in today. You see, I I want you to know today, I want you to know that we can have hope through the storm, that we can have hope through the storm. On the other side of the storm that you are facing, there is hope for you today. That's what Romans 5 is teaching us, that we boast in the hope of the glory of God, that we lean in and we press in and we cling to this idea and this understanding that God is faithful. And on the other side of this, you will get through. You will walk through the valley of the shadow of death is what the psalmist said, right? You are coming out on the other side and on the other side of this is incredible hope because God can get glory. Look, look, Romans, uh, uh, Paul writes this later in Romans. You know what he says? He says, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? God works for the good of those who are justified by faith, as it says in Romans 5, who have peace with God, who are standing now on grace, on the favor of God in their life. That person, right? God can work for the good of that person's life, no matter the storm they're facing. We have hope through the storm. The gift of hope is possible today as we continue to trust him, as we rely on him, as we allow him to be the foundation upon which we stand today. This is good news for us today. This is good news for us today because some of you are here and you are still in the storm. 
you are still experiencing the uncertainty and the unrest and the hopelessness in the storm. And I want you to know that hope is on the horizon and the promise of God is that if we are in Christ, justified by faith, not justified by our works, not justified by what we can do and what we can accomplish and how we can work hard enough to get through. No, no, no. By faith in Christ, we will get through and he will get glory on the other side. I can't wait to see how God wants to get glory on the other side of your storm that you're in right now. I can't wait to see what he wants to do. And that's hope. That's real hope. But Romans 5 isn't done. Romans 5 isn't done because Paul is actually going to build on this argument. That's good, right? What Paul's saying there is really good. And we could pray and go home and say, man, there is hope that God brings hope through the storm. But, but, but Paul's not done. Let's look at verse 3. He says, not only so. In other words, Paul's saying, man, it gets better. It gets better. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings. That word glory is actually the same word he uses previously that says boast. So, so he's saying, he's saying not only so, so not only do we boast in the hope of the glory of God, but now we boast in our sufferings. Now this is a very different idea than what Paul has been saying so far, isn't it? The first idea was one about, about hope is on the horizon, that we boast in the hope of the glory of God, that God will get glory in our circumstances, that he will get us through the storm, that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? And that he will get glory on the other side of it. But now Paul is diving even further down and saying, well, not only so, but we can actually boast right now while we're in the storm. While we're in the storm. Why is that possible why is it possible that I don't just have hope through the storm, but now I have hope in the storm? That's what Paul's saying. That hope is not just a one-day thing. It's not just a, let me, let me cross my fingers and hope and hold my breath, and one day I will arrive. See, that's not just the kind of hope that Paul is talking us about. That's not just the only kind of hope that the gospel gives us. The gospel gives us hope right now while you are in the storm. Because see, some of us, some of us, if our only hope was to get through, man, today you're feeling desperate. Today you're feeling like the storm is raging and you see no end in sight. Today you're like, well, that's good for somebody else, but today I feel overwhelmed and I feel afraid and I can't get through this. Well, the good news of the gospel is we don't just have hope to get through the storm. We actually have hope while we are in the storm right now. This seems impossible, doesn't it? This seems ridiculous, doesn't it? How can we boast, as Paul's saying, even in our sufferings? How can we boast even while the storm is raging? How is it possible to have hope right here in this moment while the storm is still raging? Well, that's a great question, and he helps us answer that question as we continue to read, right? So he says, not only so, we glory in our suffering. We boast in our sufferings because, why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope there it is there's the because right there's the because that this audacious claim that we can have hope in the storm while the storm's still going well how is that possible because paul reminds us 
suffering, the storm is actually producing something in you. If, if you have been justified through Christ, if your foundation is his grace, his favor, not something you've earned, not something that you've done, but the unmerited, unearned favor of God, his grace, if that is your foundation and you have peace with God, then even while you're in the storm, hope rises up. Why? Because for, for the life of the believer, for the life of the one that's trusting in God, something is happening in the midst of your suffering. If we will allow it, God can work within the storm to produce perseverance. That's what it says first, right? Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance doesn't feel fun, does it? It feels like work. Exercise is sweaty, right? <laughs> if it's not sweaty, you're probably not really exercising because sometimes, right, sometimes you're even sore afterwards or before or during exercise, right? Because perseverance is hard work. But if you continue to commit yourself to the process of perseverance, something is produced on the other side of it, isn't it? The same is true spiritually. The same is true in the midst of the storm. That if we are trusting in God, if we are putting our faith and our hope not in our works and not in our ability, but in Him, then perseverance is being developed. And man, it's not fun. And man, it's hard work. And man, aren't we exhausted sometimes in the midst of the storm? But if you will surrender and submit to His Lordship, you can boast in the midst of your suffering because suffering will produce perseverance. And what does perseverance produce? It produces character. Character. Your character is being refined. Your character is being built up. Your character is being strengthened. Some of the most remarkable people in my life have been through some of the most remarkable storms. I bet that's true in your life. I bet that's true if you, if you look at not, not perfect people, not putting them on a pedestal, but I'm talking about if, if you think about people in your life that have real genuine faith, people that you, you may look to for encouragement, Nine times out of ten, those people's lives have not been easy. It's not that they've been without storms. In fact, many of them have been through incredible storms, but in the midst of the storm, even while they were in the storm, they made a decision. They made a decision to trust God enough to allow perseverance to develop. And, and, and you know what comes out of that? You know what the fruit of that perseverance was in their life? It was character, deep rich character, character, the kind of person you want to be around, the kind of person you want to know better. And, and where did that character come from? It came from submitting, even in the storm, to the lordship of Jesus Christ because he was producing something even in the midst of their storm. It was character. And what is the result of this kind of character, even in the darkest moments, even the most turbulent times of our life? Paul says the result of that is hope even in the storm, even in the storm, even when your circumstances have not changed yet, you can still have hope. The result of this character being developed within us is hope. Finally, verse five, we worked hard to get here, but let's finish together, right? Verse five says this, and hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Some of your translations say, hope does not disappoint us. Right? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the good news for us today. 
This is God's word for us today. This hope, this hope is coming to life in us, even in the storm. And the reason we won't be disappointed, and the reason we won't be left feeling ashamed is because this hope is not about us. It's not about us doing something to earn it. It's not about us achieving it. It's not about the things that we can accomplish and possess around us, the things that we cling to. No, no, no. This hope is made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why even in the uncertainty of the storm, even while the waves are crashing around you, and it feels like, right, in Mark 4, the story where Jesus is asleep in the boat, it feels like in that moment that God doesn't care. This hope that we're talking about will not put you to shame because the gift of the Holy Spirit is there, empowering us, pouring out. What does it say in verse 5? That God is pouring out God's love into our hearts, even in the uncertainty of a storm. And that is what hope looks like in our lives. As we prepare to close today, I'm confident of a couple things. I'm confident that every single one of us today needs hope. I'm confident that every single one of us, no matter your circumstances, you might love 2020. You might be a homebody and you get to work from home and get to do your grocery pickup. You're an introvert and you love it. You know, people stay six feet away from you. You're loving your life, right? right? But I'm confident no matter who you are today. Yeah, some of you are amening that, right? I get it. So I'm confident though, wherever you are today, whatever your story is, you need hope. Because you have seen the fruit of hope being built on something else on hope being sourced from something or somewhere else. You have seen the result of hope that is fleeting. And today, deep in your heart, you desire, you yearn for something real to hold on to. That maybe, maybe one of the things the storm does more than anything is it, 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 it throws us out of whack, right? It, it removes all the false props and we get a little unsteady and we get a little uneasy and we're grasping for something to hold on to. And I think all of us today are desperate to grasp onto something that's real. Something like Romans 5 says that will not leave us disappointed or ashamed. So I'm confident today, every single one of us, we want hope. So can I tell you just in closing today, two things I think are so important for us as we carry on into the season. I'm so excited for the Advent season this year. I'm so excited to celebrate that Jesus Christ has come. He is Emmanuel, God with us, even in the storm. I'm so excited. But as we transition and we launch into this Advent season, there's two things I really want you to know today about hope. The first is this, that hope comes from God. True, real, lasting hope that you can hold on to in the midst of the storm is sourced by God and not by us. Listen, hope is not magical or mystical. It's not something that just appears or shows up in me, but not in you. It's not something that some people have a knack for and others don't. It's not that the optimists and the go-getters have it and, and the more lazy people don't. That's not what hope is. The reason that hope doesn't put us to shame is because of the Holy Spirit pouring it out in our hearts. Paul, the same guy who wrote this in Romans 5, just a few pages later in Romans 15 says this, may the God of hope, he is the God of hope, to know him is to know real lasting hope. He's not just the God who gives hope, he is a God of hope, right? So may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. What does it say? By the power of the Holy Spirit. 
if you are, if you are seeking to overflow with hope by your own power and your own strength, you will be disappointed. If you are attempting to be sourced with hope that that's fueled by your accomplishments and your 401k or your political, whatever, you will be filled with disappointment. But if in this season you cling to hope that is sourced by God, that is rooted and empowered by his Holy Spirit, you will find something genuine that you can build your life upon. You can find something steady even in the unsteadiness of the storm because hope is found from our God. It comes from him. The second thing I want you to know though today is that hope grows. Hope grows. Consider, consider in the text we just read, Romans 5, it's significant, isn't it? It's significant that Paul does not say hope automatically appears in the midst of the storm. We like that. We like the automatically appears thing, don't we? Notice though that Paul speaks to a very specific process, doesn't he? In the storm. Paul speaks to a very specific process of how hope comes about, right? If you don't believe me, look back on what it says, right? He, he, he talks about our suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces this hope. Because you see, hope grows. It grows. There's a process, a divinely appointed process that we have to submit to in order to experience the hope that we desire in the midst of our storm. And the truth about this process is we won't always see and we won't always understand why steps in the process aren't happening quicker. We don't understand. Maybe today you're in the perseverance stage and you're exhausted and you're worn out and you don't understand. But I promise you, I promise you that if you will stay the course and if you will trust in God and not yourself, and you will lean not on your own understanding. There is a process. There is, there is like a seed that's planted. And that seed, it does not take root automatically and it does not spring forth automatically. There is a process by which that seed grows in which it is fertilized, in which it is nurtured but eventually the promise is that seed will spring forth because hope grows it takes root and there's a process a divinely appointed process that we don't always understand but if we will submit to his process hope grows but also significant here it doesn't just grow with me what does Romans 15 says that it over flows it overflows so hope grows but it's not just that it grows it spreads right right because when when hope springs up within me in the midst of the storm it spreads to those around me it grows and it grows and it grows and it cannot be contained people with hope can't contain it they can't keep it just for themselves they can't hoard it and say well that's my hope you can't have any because the promise of Romans 15 is that this hope overflows through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the truth about people with hope, even in the midst of the storm, is they want to spread it. They refuse to let hopelessness take any ground in their life or in the lives of those around them. So the truth for us today, the truth for us today is we can have hope through the storm, that we can have hope even in the storm. We can have hope even in the storm. Hope that's not sourced by us, it's sourced by God because we've been justified through faith, that we have a foundation of grace in which we stand. It's not on our works, it's not on our accomplishments, it's not on our merits. And because of that, we can have access to hope that is real because it's sourced by God. 
and it grows and it grows and it grows and it overflows to those around us and we can't keep it in and it's not manufactured by our emotion. How many shots in our, of espresso we had in our morning beverage? That's not how hope grows. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. So today, do you need hope? Do you need hope? True hope, not sourced by you, not manufactured by your feelings or your emotions or your deeds. Do you need true hope that can be sourced by our great God, by what he's already done for us on the cross, by who he's already said that you are when you put your faith and trust and hope in him? Do you need hope today? We have an answer and we have a promise. The question is, will you turn to him even in your storm? Would you pray with me, church? Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? Those watching online, those in the room today, I don't know where you are. I don't know all that you have and all that you need, but I know that hope is available to you today. So God of hope, fill us. The God of hope, strengthen us to persevere in the midst of our suffering. God of hope, develop character, produce character that comes in the midst of our perseverance. God of hope, would you yield and produce a beautiful fruit of hope, even in the storm, even when I can't see how it's going to end, even when I don't see how this is all going to come to fruition. God, even in the midst of that, we can have hope today. You are the God of hope. We put our trust in your unfailing love. It's not by our works. We don't build our foundation on what we have and what we possess and what we accomplish. We build our confidence, our trust in your unfailing love. That is how we have hope today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.